Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don McGreca. And welcome to a Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. We just had to come on and do a podcast after the Game 7 last night of the Rock between the Devils and the Rangers. And EJ couldn't come on yesterday, but he agreed to come on today. So we'll be able to dissect all of that and preview the second round with him. EJ, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, yeah. That was a crazy first round, boy. Just crazy with all the different stories. And uh, obviously concludes with the Devils getting off the mat after two really uh, unimpressive performances in their first two playoff games. And then really... I mean, just started to pick up momentum in Game Three, and that overtime win in Game Three. I mean, let's face it, that was that's where this thing really turned. Because if the Rangers can find a way to win that overtime game, we're probably right not talking about this the way we are now. So, uh, give the Devils full marks. They played great hockey, and uh, Rangers they're going to be they're just scratching their heads at this point. Well, I think everybody is, and, and I think the bigger issue to me, EJ. Um, in looking at this Rangers team is what exactly are they? Because you made a very good point. You know, they're a goal away from taking a 3 nothing series lead and disposing of the Devils and moving on to the second round. But you can make the case last year, you know, if Crosby doesn't get hurt, if this happens differently and that happens differently, they could have gotten yeah. bounced in the first round against Pittsburgh. So how do we look Correct. at this team? If they lost to Pittsburgh last year, which they came within a whisker of doing, and I'm not taking anything away from what they did. They they won three straight games against Pittsburgh, came back from 3-2 down against Carolina, won the first two games against Tampa. All those things really did happen. But something else you know, goes wrong or a little bit here, and we're talking about a team with two first-round exits, and, and maybe we're not talking about a team that should be winning the Stanley Cup. But, but what happened is they got off the mat, all these elimination victories, and those things did happen. So <laughs> it begs the question, what exactly are they? Are they just another hockey team that can get hot and beat anybody, or are they a legitimate cup champion that blew a real opportunity this year? Well, I think they did blow an opportunity because if you win the game last night, you're you're up against a Carolina team that I think they match up pretty good with and it's got some injury issues and they could have beaten and that takes you into the final four again and you know, I think the most dangerous team in the Houston Conference is no longer active. You know, the right. Boston Bruins kind of unraveled. So you know, yeah, there, I think the opportunity, I think last night going into the game for both those teams, they knew the Bruins were out, and uh, I thought there was great opportunity for each, and the Devils were able to take advantage of that, and now we'll see how they make out against uh, Carolina. But to answer your question, you know, last year the Rangers had, I think, a little bit more definition in their group, and I completely agree with you, by the way. I mean, if Crosby doesn't get hurt, um in that, in that game five last year, the, the the Rangers could have easily been out in the first round. So I'll, I'll definitely agree with that premise. Um, but like they seem like they had, you know, bottom six forwards that were bottom six forwards last year. 
And this year they seem like they almost had more of a collection of stars and not as many kind of role players. I mean, I, when you look at the roster, I mean, it's impressive. I mean, uh, they got quite a cast of you know, nine really guys who could be classified as top six forwards. When you think about those three kids, I mean, I know that Edel and Kako and Lafreniere have not produced to that level yet, but these are high draft picks with high expectations. And, you know, and they played well in the playoffs last year, and they, they benefit from matchup advantages because they're not viewed as the first line, obviously. So they get those type of benefits. But um, it just didn't seem like uh, they had the, you know, those those role players, like, you know, Andrew Kopp last year was a helpful player, and Vitrano was kind of a helpful player in what he did, and, um, you know, it just seemed like, you know, this year it was, uh, you know, when the boat started to rock a little bit after, you know, the Devils got back in the series, I mean, they didn't really have any answers, but guys, you know, Patrick Kane, to me, he put up points, but he wasn't a dangerous player, certainly at 5-on-5. Five five. I don't know if anybody on the Rangers was a dangerous player 5-on-5 five five as the series started to unwind. Um, so those guys are going to be departing most likely, right? The Rangers are going to have to deal with the cap issues. they got to deal with players that are contracts are up, like Tarasenko and Kane and Tyler Mott to a lesser degree. Lafreniere is a restricted, right? So you got to deal with that. you got to decide if you're going to bring Nikola back. Uh, Miller is a restricted. Um so, I mean, these are decisions to try to open up some cap room. I think you need maybe a little bit more definition to the bottom six. Um, maybe a little bit more speed within their group. I mean, you know, the Devils, it's hard to you compare to the Devils. The Devils are really fast, but that's where the game is at right now. So I think those are some, you know, I always say, Don, you know, we've talked about this forever. Is like I think the hardest part for a manager is always putting those last pieces in place. The Rangers have a lot of good pieces in place already, but they're trying to figure out pieces they need. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with with the coach. I mean, I get the sense Gerard Gallant will be out after, uh, you know, maybe by the end of the week. I'm not so sure of any timeline, but everything I've heard is, is tells me that he's going to be out and uh, that they're going to make a really strong pitch to get Joel Quenville. And uh, you know, that will entail some kind of, you know, dealing with the league and getting Joel Quenville cleared right. to come back. I think that will eventually happen um, if the Rangers push on it hard enough, and I think they will. And so, uh, you know, then we'll see what happens with the personnel in the offseason. But, uh, you know, I don't blame Gerard at all. I think, you know, Gerard had a lot of success in two years. That team to the Final Four last year, but I just think there's a disconnect somewhere in management, and I suspect that that's going to take place somewhere in the next little while. Yeah, because like you said, they're kind of hamstrung on what they can do with the roster. A lot of non-movement clauses. There's not going to be any room to go make a free agent splash, and they're going to lose more than gain here. Um, so it's the easy thing to let the coach go, and. And it's it's hard because they did go to the conference final last year, and they did have a great yeah, regular season. Yeah. And you know, so he's a really good coach. But the one yep. thing that I don't know if you thought this way, EJ, and, and and you know, sometimes being a talk show host and being in this game a long time, you kind of read between the lines and you listen to what coaches have to say. And after the game four loss, Gallant really went after his team, called them out. Yeah. Um, talked about maybe lazy, tired. I mean, that was pretty. He uh, listen. I covered him. Yeah. You know, every game for the last two years. He is. Oh, he always airs on the positive. He came down mm-hmm. hard on the team, 
And you can make the case yeah. they played worse in Game 5, and after the game, he looked like he went out of his way to compliment them, and you know we didn't get the breaks. Yeah. I thought we played better. And to me, that that was strategic. You know, he, he he called out his team, his team didn't respond, and then he just came up with something new. And that's where I felt like he started the fish a little bit, like in, that he was yeah. almost confused on all right, exactly how do I handle this group? And and that's where I thought that maybe there was a little crack there where he seemed to be struggling exactly how to grasp to handle this team and where they were going. Yeah, I mean, I think if there's a knock on Gerard, it's that that he's not really the the best X's and O's guy. Mm. And he's more of a player's guy, and he's a straightforward guy, and he's, he's dead honest with the guys. And you know, there's a lot of positives that. He's had a lot of success. Let's say he took the Vegas Golden Knights uh, expansion team to the Stanley Cup final. Um, you know, that's that's a hell of a run. He's had some success in other places. He got the Rangers to the Final Four. That's a hell of a run. Um, so I think at the end of the day, if, you know, I, I felt like when the Devils, you know, here's an example, but I felt like when the Devils got down to nothing, right? I think the Devils management group and the coaching staff, everybody was in that boat together. Everybody, Lindy and Andrew Burnett and the other coaches and Tommy Fitz and Marty Berger and like and the guys who are there, they're all in it together. And I felt like with the Rangers, I felt like when the boat started rocking on the other side, I didn't get the sense. And really, we haven't gotten the sense. And you're around it, Don. You hear the same things I do. I mean, like in, in November, they were making phone calls about other coaches when the Rangers were struggling. And so I just felt like this was, uh, this was there was a, there was a, a rift there between whether it was Chris Drury or other people in management, the coaching staff. That stuff starts to seep. It seeps into the players. And remember, you have players in that room. The Tarasenko's, the Canes, maybe a few others. They're in a short-term thing here. They don't know if they're coming back. They start thinking about other things as well. And maybe they can't be, you know, they're new to the club. Are they really the leaders of the team? So at the end of the day, I think the Devils, you know, they stood firm when times when the seas got rough, things calmed. And they stayed the course. And even when they had to make a, you know, what could have been considered a tough decision on the goaltender, you know, you know, for game seven, they went back, they discussed it, they came forward with Schmidt again, and Schmidt responded and played great. So I just think they were always together. And I think that really helps in any business, in any walk of life, in your family. I mean, just having everybody on the same page. And I, and I got the sense that that was, you know, it's, it's a distraction. And in a seven-game series where this league, where everybody's close, and things can go either way on the, the bounce of a puck. I just feel like it, you need to have everybody in it together on the same side. Yeah. So, you know, that it was just another little observation as we watched. And the Rangers didn't really make any adjustments. They were a little bit stubborn with the way they wanted to do things in the series. And clearly the Devils found their footing. And, I mean, they used their speed uh, defensively, I think, as well as anybody I've seen they made the adjustments on the power play or on the penalty kill to, to shut down Fox and Kreider. And the, and the Rangers really never were able to adjust. I mean, the Devils gave them a lot of power play chances throughout the series. They gave them more chances again last night. But the Rangers didn't have nearly the success they had in the first two games. In fact, the success they had in game six really was the good fortune of a bounce off the leg of Chris Kreider. So, you know, the adjust, from the adjustment standpoint, the Devils made some really good adjustments. 
and the Rangers really didn't yeah. at the end of the day. If it wasn't for Shesterkin, I mean, this is probably over in six. You know, you look at the two organizations, and, and certainly the Devils are in a different area than the Rangers are, literally and figuratively, as far as, like, I think the Devils can afford to be more patient than the Rangers can. There's just a lot more at stake when you're a big market team and you own your own network, and there's just a lot going in where, you know, the Devils can mm-hmm. afford to be patient. But if you look at when the Rangers sent the letter, and they were in their, you know, their rebuild, you know, the Devils were in the same situation. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and you look, and the Devils kind of stayed the course, uh, and they really yep. didn't make any splashes until really making the Meyer deal. Like they were, they were able to kind of just stay the course when it was tempted to change coaches. They didn't general managers. They let the young kids grow, and now you see that it's bearing fruit. You know, the Rangers. I'm not going to say they were impatient, but you know what changed the rebuild was going out and getting Panarin. Like he he kind of dropped in their lap 100%. there, and Davidson went for it, and yeah. it changed the course of the rebuild. And then once you get to that plateau, of, oh, now we're a cup contender. Well, then you lose patience, yeah. and Davidson and Gorton are gone, and, and Quinn's gone, and now we might be making another coaching change with Gallant. Like it just, I really think everything changed. With the acquisition of Panarin, it sped things up into a place that maybe they weren't prepared to go. And then you look at Panarin, and really, what has he done outside of being a tremendous point producer in the regular season? He had 16 points in the playoffs last year. Nine of those 16 came on the power play. He was really a non-entity in this series, just two points. Um, Maybe the turning point was the Rangers saw an opportunity to speed it up. The Devils stayed the course, and... Right now, it's looking like it's better off for New Jersey than it was for New York. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. Uh, I think you nailed it. I don't know what else I could really add to that. I mean, you're absolutely right. The Rangers, uh, they they did look to accelerate the rebuild, and that was exactly going to turn with Panarin. And uh, he has been a really good regular season player. To your point, I don't think he got a lot done in this series. Um, he's making a lot of money. He's not getting any younger. Um, and you're right. I mean, it's, uh, listen, the Devils have had some good fortune. I mean, they won a lottery in a year where they got a player that's a special player, right? And, you know, the Rangers won a lottery in a year where the player they selected has not uh, developed to that level and may never develop to that level, right? And even in the year they had the second pick, they had a player that has been a good player that's developing, but again, may not develop to the level that may, many may have thought he would have. If these, both those players, Lafarnier and Kako, are young. So there's still time. And they're in a situation with the Rangers where, you know, they're on, on, a, on a team that has accelerated their rebuild, and they are pushed down the lineup, and they don't maybe have opportunities that some other players have to be at the top of the lineup and to play maybe in the roles that best suit them. But, you know, that said, the Rangers have brought themselves into this situation where, They've got a little bit aggressive. I think that's been, when you look at the history of the Rangers organization, that's, uh, you know, we've seen that play out over years in the past. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens now. Because uh, I, I do find they're kind of a, two, a two-track a kind of organization in that, you know, they've got that track of younger players, like, you know, the, the kid line and, you know, I'd still say Fox and Miller or those, those guys are still in that category. And then you got some the older guys like Panarin and Kreider and to a lesser extent, the Banerjad, who are like, you know, they're, they're still in their, you know, they're on the kind of the second half of their prime, so to speak, and have some significant contracts. So, you know, when you're on two different tracks like that, you wonder how, 
you know, things are going to play out, what their decisions are going to be in the future. Fortunately, with Igor Shosturkin, I mean, and under a, a pretty good contract for the next couple of years, I mean, he's somebody that's going to give them a chance to win every single night. And they still have, you know, I think of the right side of their defense with Fox and Schneider is going to continue to develop and, and Truva, you're solid there. Um, you know, on the left side, Lindgren works well with Fox. Um, you know, Miller seemed like he struggled in this series, but I'm, I'm not ready to, you know, to throw Keandre Miller out with the baffler. I think he's got a lot of upside. I really liked his game for most of the year. Young defensemen take time. They have, they have ups and downs. But, uh, you know, there's still a lot of good players there. But to your point, um, you know, by accelerating things, uh, they put themselves in this odd position now cap-wise. And it'll be interesting, I guess, to see what Chris Drury does next. And, you know, if indeed, I mean, like I said, I'm, I would, I'm pretty certain that they're going to make that coaching change. And I do think Joel Flanville is the guy that they're looking to bring in. And we'll see how that kind of transpires. But uh, the Devils take on Carolina. Let's let's dive into uh, a look at the second round. Carolina's been sitting idle for a little bit after winning in six games against the Islanders. The Devils hop on a plane today, go to Carolina tomorrow. We'll begin that series. I wonder how that helps. I mean, physically, it can't be the greatest thing. But I'm just wondering, psychologically, does that benefit the Devils from hopping from one series to the other as the you know Hurricanes have had to wait a little bit? So does that an advantage or disadvantage to New Jersey? Well, I think they're in their routine, right? They've been playing every other day, so it shouldn't sure. be that big a deal. It's not a long trip to Raleigh. They've been there many times. They, you know, they've they've had some good games with the Canes this year. The Canes are, I mean, that's a really good team. I mean, I think that uh, you know they're obviously missing some some key offensive players. You know, with Teravainen and uh, Sveshnikov out of the mix, but. Uh, you know, that's a team that's been in this mix for a while for the playoffs, and, you know, they've had some hard losses, and they're going to be, you know, they're not going to be an easy team to deal with. They defend well. They have good speed. I think it should be a really interesting series. Um, you know, the goaltending is kind of, you know, we'll see if Akira Schmidt can keep up, uh, you know, what he's been doing through his first, uh, what is it now, five starts in the postseason. He's been a, he's been a, a standout for the Devils, obviously, and, you know, Freddie Anderson came into the series for Carolina and got a win, the clinching win against the Honors. So I'd imagine he'd start against the Devils. I mean, I think it could be a really entertaining, high, you know, fast-paced series. And you know, I don't. The Devils don't look like they're ever scared of much. Their leader, Jack Hughes, is, uh, you know, he's a special kid, and I don't think much really, you know, worries him. He's going to go out and play, and they're getting contributions from a lot of different people. They're defending well. Um, Andre Palat last night, that was just a brilliant play yeah. that uh, he made to set up Mikey McLeod, who had a nice finish. So, Devils are for real. They're going to be, I mean, that's going to be a very interesting series because I know Carolina is kind of playoff tested with the same group and the same coach, and, and they've had those bitter losses. So, they're going to be a hard out for the Devils. Yeah, it should be a fun series. And now you got Toronto and Florida. Toronto finally gets out of. Round number one for the first time since nine, since twenty oh four. I'm sure you saw this trivia question. I threw it out on the air. I actually tweeted it out. Um, there were five Hall of Famers on the Leafs in the oh four team that advanced to the second round. You know who they were? Well, would Matt Sundin is probably one of them, right? Sure. All right. Uh, was Brian Leach on that team? Or was oh he yeah. Not to them yet? Very good. Uh, was uh, Joe Newendike maybe on that team? He sure was. 
All right, that's three. Uh, let's see. Eddie Belfour? Eddie Belfour. Look at your four for four. If you get five for five, you are the greatest hockey mind that I've ever met. Well, I'm not under any circumstances <laughs> even if I get it right. I'm going to surrender that four for four because <laughs> – we, you know, we don't have all day for me to think through their whole roster. I'm happy to get four out of the five. No, you did, you did better, so much better than anybody else. Uh, the, the, the toughest one to get outside of Brian Leach was Ron Francis. Ah, uh, yeah, you know, I should have known that one. Ron Francis one. only played 12 regular season games, all of the playoff games. Um, so just kind yeah, of interesting. Yeah. They kind of pieced nice. it together. So the, the Leafs got the monkey off their back, and now they got a Florida team – my God, it's just we can we can do a whole podcast just based on what the heck happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's I, I was talking about it on the podcast yesterday with Anthony. You know, um, there was 19 years of Presidents Trophy winners leading into the lockout because the first time they awarded it was in the mid 80s, and six times a team won a Stanley Cup and twice they got bounced out of the, in the first round. There have been 18 mm-hmm. since the lockout. And six have been bounced in the first round, and only two have won the cup. So it's really wow. been just an albatross. Just it, it's incredible. I guess the one thing that you could say the difference is is that uh, they just didn't get the goaltending. And you know, obviously Bergeron was probably not a hundred percent. But if I had to look at anything, EJ, see if you look at it any differently, is you know, Allmark, Swayman, mostly Allmark, and maybe because he was sick, whatever it was, just they didn't get the goaltending they got consistently in the regular season. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? When you watch them in the regular season, you know you realize that the goaltending was a big part of it. It wasn't like the goaltenders were along for the ride. Those guys were great. Olmark was great. Wayman was great, and Olmark in particular, he's going to win the Vezina Trophy. But he got a lower body injury late in the season. He never looked comfortable or looked right in that series. And you know, I'm not behind the scenes there, you know, and to know the exact medicals. But the eye test told me that Olmark wasn't right. They played Olmark and Swayman all year long and alternated them. And this is going to be a question moving forward for coaches and teams because more and more we're seeing teams basically rotate their goaltenders. Not all cases. Obviously, the Rangers have Shesterkin. Other teams have, you know, a Dallas has Ottinger. But because the goaltending is kind of – you don't find those guys everywhere. There's a lot of teams that rotate. Now, the question is, when you get to the playoffs, do you continue to do what you did all year, or do you go to this old school thinking that we got to lean on one guy? So I think for the Boston Bruins, um, you know, to me, that's an unforced error. I think they should have got Swayman in games three, four, five, somewhere in there, even game six. Instead, they backed themselves in the corner. He ends up playing in game seven. I thought he played okay, and he made some really good stops in overtime. But I think it's hard to put a guy in that spot. And by that point, the Boston defense had completely unraveled. It was kind of mind-boggling to see how badly the defense played. And then, uh, you know, give credit to the Florida Panthers in their four-checking game. And Brandon Montour on defense was just out of his mind, playing all kinds of minutes and playing really well. And when Barofsky got back in there, he played well enough. He made key saves at the right time. So give Paul Maurice and those guys a lot of credit. But the Bruins... You know, I think there was a lot of self-inflicted wounds there along the way, and I think it started with 
to decision-making when it came to the goaltenders. And let's not forget, Florida was the president's trophy winner of the year before. Now, they, there were changes. Huberto yeah. left. Weger left. But, you know, so they kind of yeah. found themselves. So it looks, you know, eight lost to a one. Well, the year earlier, Florida was the president's trophy winner. So it just shows you hey, the look at, parity about, in this league. Think about it, Donnie. Think about it. Washington, President's Trophy winner, win the Cup the next year. Florida, I mean, Tampa Bay, President's Trophy winner, win the Cup the next year. Colorado, President's Trophy winner, win the Cup the following year. There is a little bit of a pass there, so maybe the Florida Panthers, you know, they're feeling it right now. They're healthy. I mean, I expect, I mean, if they're not out of gas, I think they're going to give the Toronto Maple Leafs a hard time. So you figure Bobrovsky the whole way? Bobrovsky will be the guy from here on out, I think. I mean, the good news is, though, if he goes, if something happens with him, at least you can feel comfortable that Alex Lyon has played in some big games. Right. But I think, uh, you know, and Alex Lyon went into Toronto on March, I think it was 29th, and won a big game in there, and... uh, so they, those two teams played twice down the stretch, and they were both overtime games. They split them. Bobrovsky's got the experience, and they got the mojo right now. We'll see if they can keep it up. Just a great job by Seattle. I thought they played a terrific series, and especially getting off the mat, losing at home in Game 6, and just playing some tremendous hockey, scoring the first goal in all seven of the games against Colorado. Now... Uh, another task against uh, Dallas, uh, just another great team out of the Central Division. How do you think that one's going to go? Well, I, like, I think Dallas is, is set up to do to play better against Seattle because they're deeper, they're healthy. I mean, Colorado was so beat up and with different losses of different guys and guys that they had to lose because of salary cap issues and, you know, the Nechushkin thing that happened after game two with him disappearing from the team. and. Yeah. Um, you know, and even then they got right to the end and, you know, it was a one-goal game. So you give the Avalanche a lot of credit for pushing. Give Seattle. It's got a deep group. They never – they came in right from the start, played hard. They're in your face. Uh, they roll their four lines. They get contributions. I think it's 15 different goal scorers. Um, you know, so they, you know, and their penalty killing was really good. I mean, they held the Avalanche to, I think, 11% on the power play. So that – to me, that could be the really the key matchup in the series. Dallas's power play has been excellent down the stretch the last seven games and into the playoffs. They've been clicking at like 40% or more. And uh, Seattle's going to have to figure out a way to take fewer, fewer penalties or kill the penalties. I mean, that's what did Minnesota in. So the, the Pete DeBoer, you know, we know him from the Devils, and, you know, he's been a really good coach in this league. Mm-hmm. And he's taken the Devils and the Sharks to the cup final in his first year in both places. And I think he's positioned pretty well right now with a really good goalie and a pretty deep team in Dallas, maybe to do the same thing. So, uh, so we'll see. I think it is a. It's a I, going into it. I think that it's a good. It's a decent matchup for the Dallas Stars, but you can't count out the Kraken just because of what you saw in round yeah. one. Yeah, just a, a well-rounded team, well-run team as well. And then the Oilers and the Golden Knights. This should be a great series. I'm. A, I picked the Oilers to go to the Cup final, EJ, but. They're a little too leaky for my liking. I mean, you, you know when you get to the playoffs, and it's nice to be able to outscore opponents in the regular season, but to rely on that as you get deeper into the playoffs is going to be tough. I, I think they're going to have to tighten things up. But, dear God, if there is a key to Vegas winning, don't take any penalties. This power play for Edmonton has just been unreal. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, this has been a historically good power play, the best ever in the league, and they've continued in the postseason. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I mean, the, the L.A. Kings, you know, they have they have the personnel to be a hard matchup for them. They have the personnel to kill penalties, and yet they couldn't get it done. 
And, you know, that's a team that's kind of never out of a game because of McDavid and Dreis. I don't know if you take penalties. I mean, then they could really, as we saw in, I think it was game four, they used their power play to get a couple of goals when they were down 3 nothing and get back in and end up winning that game. So I, I picked the Oilers to win the Cup at the start of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I had different picks, you know, in the preseason, but when I looked at it, I had Boston and Edmonton. So obviously Boston is, that's sprung a leak. We're out, they're out. But I had Edmonton over Boston in the finals, so we'll see if Edmonton can get there. They've, they've added a lot of pieces to the puzzle. I like their team. They're much bigger and stronger and harder to play against right now. It'll be a very interesting series against Vegas because Vegas is really slotted well. Lines one through four. And, uh, you know, they're big and strong on defense. Lauren Brassois has played well enough in goal. They've gone through a number of goalies this year, but they just have found ways to win one-goal games all year. i really curious to see. Because on paper, I, I just think Edmonton probably has too much for them. But, you know, Vegas, again, I mean, all year they've been underestimated, and all year they find ways to win. So I'm really curious to see that series and also to see that head-to-head of McDavid against Eichel. I know that... McDavid has taken off in his career. He's the best player in the game. And Eichel, it's, you know, it hasn't gone as well for Eichel, but he's kind of found his way now in Vegas again. And, you know, those two guys were linked by being one and two in the draft in 2015. So it'll be interesting to see them play head-to-head in the playoff series against one another. Well, listen, um, maybe I'll see you at The Rock during the course of this run as I'll try to get to some games uh, now that the yep. Rangers are done. and. um Glad I got a chance to see you at the Garden a couple of times, and thank you for doing this on yeah. a special Tuesday. I hope we can catch up on Monday. You got it. I'll be here. All right. Thanks a lot, EJ. That's the great EJ Raddick. You can check him out on the NHL Network between the hours of 4 and 6, Monday through Friday, and he is actually going to have the international call of the Stanley Cup Final coming up uh, at the end of the playoffs, so we're looking forward to that. All right, EJ gave his picks. So I'm going to give you mine. I guess we'll start... Uh, with um, the East and the Panthers and the Maple Leafs. You know, with Bobrovsky at least to the start being the goaltender, and rightly so, especially the way he played in Game 7. I I just don't trust Bobrovsky in a big spot. Uh, Sam Sonoff doesn't give you a lot of confidence either, but uh, at least to start, that looks like that's going to be the matchup, and uh, I just think it's it's Toronto's time. Okay, They got the monkey off their back. They finally made it to the second round, and Listen, if they lose to the Panthers, and again, this is no disrespect to the Florida Panthers at all. They they deserve a lot of kudos for not just winning against Boston, but also getting off the mat and making the run at the end of the season they did to be able to just get to the playoffs. But, um, you know, really, can Toronto beat their chest? They got out of the first round when they've got the path to the conference final here. So I like the Leafs in six. And you look at what the Devils did against the Rangers, who were a much better offensive team than the Hurricanes are. No Taravainen, no uh, Svechnikov. That's certainly going to hurt Carolina for sure. So, and, and I do like the fact, I agree with EJ, of just keeping it every other day, right? Hop on a plane, go to Carolina, playing every other day. I think it's going to help this Devils team. Uh, I think just Carolina's just a little too beat up. I think the Devils put on a clinic against the Rangers. The one thing you worry about, though, there's that rivalry factor and sense of accomplishment when you beat the Rangers uh, from a local standpoint and just don't start thinking that you have uh, accomplished anything. Second round's a different beast. Carolina's been there, done that, so they've got a ton of experience as well. I think it's going to be a fun series, and I can see it going deep again, and I'm going to pick the Devils in seven 
in the Eastern Conference two rounds. And out West, well, I'm going to stick to my guns with both Dallas and Edmonton. I have the meeting in the conference final, so I'm not going to change on that. Love what Seattle did, but EJ made up some great points or put up some great points. Colorado was compromised, a little top-heavy with their injuries. Nakushkin's situation certainly didn't help matters much, and Ottinger's just a different beast in goal. So I think Seattle did what they could, but I'm going to pick Dallas in five. And I think the Oilers and the Golden Knights is going to be an absolute classic. Uh, I I, I worry about Vegas being home because they haven't been a good home team all year, and that power play is just too good not to pick. I think it's going to be a fun series. When I say classic, I think it's going to be a lot of offense, a lot of fun. And I'd love to be able to see another Game 7, have a couple of Game 7s out of these four, but I'm going to pick the Oilers in six over the Vegas Golden Knights. That would set up a Final Four of Edmonton, Dallas, New Jersey, and Toronto. And that should be a lot of fun. And based on my picks in the first round, it's probably going to be something completely different. So a lot of good stuff from EJ. Uh, let's, um, let's come back on Friday. We'll be deeper into the second round. Really get a lot of your, um, your emails, get your tweets uh, on Friday as we'll uh, get a chance to get you vent about your teams or get excited about the teams that have advanced. Should be a lot of fun. ESPN and TNT have a lot of these games moving forward. ESPN is going to have um, the action uh, tonight and Wednesday uh, for ESPN and TNT. We'll get their doubleheader coming up for those game twos uh, between the Panthers and the Leafs and the Kraken and the Stars coming up on Thursday. So we will reconvene on Friday. We'll get your tweets at Don LaGreca, hashtag game is conduct. Thanks to EJ Raddick. Thanks for Ray Dinahan pinching in because we recorded a little bit earlier today. So we will talk to you again on Friday. This was the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.